Welcome to the Plastic Pleasing Store Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Grab. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. All right, it's episode four. Oh, yeah. So I think we're calling this one Up in the Air because it's about stuff that's um, up in the air. <laughs> so, Trey, I saw that you uh, hit 700 million YouTube subscribers. Oh, that's, it was a milestone. It kind of snuck up on me. It's that freaking Among Us video. <laughs> that, that, that That's your whole career. That's what you're going to be known for. I hate it. No, I don't want that. <laughs> no, but congratulations. You know, you've been working on this stuff for a long time, and I know a lot of people like your stuff. I think it's pretty decent. I won't say Thank I you. like it, what? but um, no, no, I, I love it, man. And I'm uh, <laughs> uh, so congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you you got so, a milestone too. All your books came in. Yeah, I got um. So after the gold rush, which is probably what I'm most known for, that's my uh optimistic, skeptic, science-y, atheist-y comic book series. It follows Scout, and she's the last scientist. And uh, she returns to Earth to find it in a state of wilderness. It's about her discovering that the world has traded away science, and she has to find a way to return it. Um, I've been working on it for like the last five years, and finally the collected version, what some people might call a graphic novel. It was the first five issues, then all the extra content, the webcomic and stuff is all printed in one thing. And so UPS came to my house the other day, and they dropped 41 boxes, very heavy boxes with like 25 books each down on my doorstep. I had to carry them all up. Um, so my arm hurts now. But the good news <laughs> is I got my book and I'm pretty excited about that. So, Yeah, I, I saw it. I thought it was like a meme or something. I was like, what, what is in those boxes he has there? Oh. Yeah, no, not, not a meme, just my life's work. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Congrats, man. Thanks. Uh, if anyone wants to pick one up, then go to afterthegirlish.space and they're $25 shipped. And yeah. they got pictures and words in them, so they're better than normal books. <laughs> All right, Trey. Hey, why don't you tell me a story? Okay. There's this place in, in Utah called uh, Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, it's kind of this weird little location in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And it, the people claim, claim since maybe like the 70s or something that um, there's weird stuff going on there. There's like cow um like bodies mutilated there and werewolf sightings and bigfoot sightings and ufos all kinds of craziness uh just this this hot spot of activity in the middle of nowhere that this uh couple owned and then they kind of it's traded hands from time to time and yeah now it's like this this big place that all the ufo hunters go to it's like a fruit punch of cryptids (laughs) <laughs> yes yes well that's the thing the name is um is a uh, skinwalker ranch is named after like a navajo indian um like part of their mythology about like uh it's essentially like a werewolf uh where shamans can transform into little creatures and cause mischief and all kinds of stuff so it's, it's a fun time there it's a cool sounding place yeah, no. There's like a there's a there's a lost tapes episode. I, I don't know if you watch lost tapes. Uh, some of I, I'm, I'm aware of lost tapes. <laughs> there are creatures science refuses to recognize, but new technology makes us question what is real. If our eyes see it, come on. If our cameras capture it, does it exist? <laughs> Into a realm where fact meets fiction. 
Science meets legend. Where nightmares come to life. Do you believe? Lost tapes. There's an it's episode. Quality. <laughs> There's an episode, one of the first season, it's it's a skinwalker. And the the episode essentially is just a Native American guy in a in a, a hoodie, like walking around and being creepy to these white guys that are freaking out about it. That's the the whole gist. Yeah, of that's that a common theme um, with Native American legends. It seems like. Um, so yeah, so George Knapp, the um, supposed researcher, um, used to talk about this on Coast to Coast a lot. I think mm-hmm. that helped really popularize it. And uh, Coast to Coast was an AM radio station about um, nonsense and cool stuff. You know, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, telepathy, dark, shadowy people kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I used to listen to it when I was um, driving up to my dad's house in paradise up the mountains because I don't know what else I was going to listen to. You know, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be like at like like one in the morning or something like that? Yeah, yeah, because like I would always be driving up there late, you know, and I was either listening to the oldest station or that. That's what was coming in. So I was going to listen to about Bigfoot, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's the best way to spend your time is thinking about Bigfoot. Definitely, which is why you should uh, like and subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so one of one of the stories about Skinwalker Ranch that I thought was kind of, um, I don't know, it was my favorite one, was the like the spectral direwolf story. Yes. Did you, did you hear that one? I, I think I've, I remember hearing about this a while back. So uh, I believe George Knapp reported on it about these farmers that were there. And they like were out with their with their cows or whatever. And they saw a wolf. I I obviously don't think that it was a wolf, you know, but they saw they saw some kind of canid and um, it started to like mess with their cow and they tried to hit it and fight it. And then like they shot at it and they shot a chunk of it off, apparently, and it went oh. away. Um, and then like they like tried to go down and find it and it like disappeared in the mud. And then they tried to go get the piece of it that they shot off and they shot it like several times. The 30 six, which is like a deer rifle, right? Right. Um, and it didn't kill it. And then they went and found the piece of skin, apparently, that they shot off of it. And it looked like it was aged and morbid. And then my favorite part is at the end of the story, when uh, George Knapp explains it, um, he mentions like, oh, yeah, also the dog first came up to them and they petted it a little bit. Oh, and by the way, it was up to about his shoulder because it what? was a three times the size of a wolf. <laughs> what it was like, a, it was like a dire wolf from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, well, dire wolves were real. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everything's not Game of Thrones, buddy. I, I'm sorry. That's I, that's we, your favorite thing. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I know. It's a big, big wolf. Yeah, it, it's a big old wolfy dog. And uh, my favorite part is that, like, they mention at the end when he tells the story, he does this on a um, the Hunt for Skinwalker documentary. Like, he mentions that he pets it at the end, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't notice anything was weird." I'm like, "Dude, you would not let like." A, that's a big a, animal a mongo sized spectral wolf <laughs> walk up to you and you'd be like oh hey dude how's it going let me scratch behind your ears you'd be yeah. freaked out that's a that's a that's bigger than like marmaduke right there that's that's a huge creature yeah but there's all there's all these stories about people like like lost time stories or shadow oh, people God. or uh, the yeah. predator monster is supposed to be there the, like the like the movie predator they specifically call it the Predator Monster. Now, I I assume they're not <laughs> actually saying it's the one from the movie, but they're saying there's a creature that has that shimmery, pseudo-transparent effect. 
That's a that's a that sounds like copyright infringement right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and there's tons of UFO stories. So basically, this is like a paranormal soup place. Like like yeah, it has commonly been called by journalists um, the Disneyland of the paranormal, right? And I think it's that's like, like um, I went to Sedona, Arizona, and it's kind of like that, where it's just like this town that like is built up around aliens and stuff, and like everybody sees aliens there because it's this this hub that you go to just to see them. Yeah, so like I, I don't think you know that any of these supposed phenomenon raised to the level of needing debunking or an explanation, you yeah. know. Um, but my friend asked me like, well, what would if there was an explanation for this? Like, what did you think it is? I'm like, I don't really know. Maybe there's a lot of lead and it's messing with people's brains. <laughs> there's you know? all that like, swamp gas there. Sure, I, mean, I don't know, but like I said, <laughs> all these this mix mash of like really minor subjective occurrences don't raise to the level of interest to me really, but it's, it, like, it's a um, cool idea. Yeah. It's like the Bermuda triangle where it's just like this place that like every, every, like all the, I don't want to say crazy people, but all like kind of the conspiracy fringe people flock to. And it's like, just like anything's there. It's just a magic place. It's um like land of the lost. I know in the nineties, I was like way more concerned about the Bermuda triangle than I am now. You know, when I, was, when I was a kid growing up, there's little books in there. I was like, man, I got to make sure to never go there. Like <laughs> that acid rain and quicksand are the three of the biggest threats that oh, I'm going to have to deal with as an adult. Piranhas. And, piranhas. Yeah. That's a big one. I have, I have been in quicksand once. It was disappointing. Where was it? Where where'd you? Where were you? So, so it was in Washington, actually, like in the rainforest there. Huh. Yeah. It's just like super grainy mud that holds you, you know, that doesn't oh, look yeah. like it would. Like it's not, it's not cool. <laughs> There's no like <laughs> hidden city under it or anything. That's like that's like growing up. It's just like oh yeah, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Skinwalker Ranch and all this, yes. all this stuff. We got spectral werewolf, Bigfoot, portals, dark men, lost time, UFO. Mm-hmm. This place is owned by a certain individual. Yeah, um, and his name is Bigelow. Yeah, and he also owns an aerospace company. Does he own it still, or I, I think I read that so, like a a suspicious shell company of unknown origin like bought it recently. Well, I actually don't know that, but I know that he founded it and was the owner for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, but so Robert Bigelow, he's he's a billionaire real estate tycoon. Um, he is very dedicated to the idea that these UFOs are explained by extraterrestrial life. Um, he also is very invested in afterlife research. Okay. Um, so like, you know, he's basically not a materialist, you know, he believes in some kind of soul thing, whatever. Um, yeah. And he, he's been funding, he has claimed that he's the largest funder in North America of this kind of research because he's invested millions of dollars into this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so this man, Robert Bigelow is friends with a, um, a important political figure, um, Harry Reid, who is one of the most um, prominent um, Democrats. H- he's contributed to Harry Reid's campaign several times. And several years ago, um, Harry Reid gave him a favor. He helped create this UFO research group um, called ATIP, I believe it's pronounced. Okay. Um, now, so this group w- was funded with Harry Reid requesting funds for it, and the funds were given to Robert Bigelow to start up this organization, ATIP. It was about $22 million, which isn't a lot, really, in Pentagon money, right? 
Right. That's like that's like a, a fraction of like a percent. Yeah, barely buys a missile. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um so like th- this is like a small cottage next to the Pentagon, right? Okay. This is a small group, like it's like a subdivision. Mm-hmm. It's not really the Pentagon, but it was a small group, technically in the Department of Defense, um, created by Robert Bigelow, and then you know he hired certain people to run this. Now, what this group did was they would look at um, images, video recorded by fighter pilots or test pilots, and then they would, if they thought any of it was weird or anomalous, they would say, "Hey." that there's a UFO. Hmm. Uh, it's basically what they did. Um, so and that's a good job right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they hired people to run this group that had worked for different organizations that he had hired before. Um, you know, back in the 1970s, the CIA created Stargate, which was a telepathy research group. You know, like that's what the, the men who stare at goats thing was kind of about, right? Oh, God, I, I didn't even hear about this. I know that they did like they funded like dolphin telepathy research. Yeah. So there's a there's been a lot of different telepathy fundings from not just the U.S. government, like Sony, the you know, who makes my PlayStation. Yeah. Um, they did a telepathy research thing back in the day, too. Weird. Um, yeah, a lot of governments did. And so Bigelow was big on that. And he brought people from those that sector, like people who worked on those things to this. And this group. You know, they found some things that they found were compelling UFOs. And right. I want to point out that they might may say, oh, we just think they're unidentified flying objects. But I think that's not honest. I, I think that they believe they're absolutely definitely UFOs. And that's the and I'm sorry, definitely aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, they're extraterrestrial craft. And that is why they are um, interested in them. And that's why they're sharing them. Mm-hmm. But th- this this people um, then. filed a request from the Pentagon to release three videos that were classified, but not really classified. Now, I think one of the videos leaked onto the internet in like 2007 or something like that. Yeah, they've been around. So like there's the, one of the main ones is the gimbal one, for example, they're just called gimbal. um, And this video, along with the three others, they filed a request form and, on the request form that they actually listed what I believe the Pentagon called them, you know, they called them unmanned aerial vehicle or balloon. Um, so they had names on them on the list when they filed, I believe it's a 1910 form and we have this, a signature on it with those names listed and they right. were not classified. They were on a classified server. So they just mm-hmm. had to file to remove them from the classified server. And then when they had these, they released them to the press and right. then a member of the New York Times and a journalist, Leslie Keen, who is not a materialist and has written books about the afterlife and UFOs, she created this, um, she wrote this paper titled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. And Ooh. this is basically, wow, the Pentagon is looking at UFOs. And by UFOs, they really mean aliens. And this is a big story and it's amazing. Yeah. But see, I, th- and then recently 60 minutes covered this story. Right. And 60 minutes says, wow, the Pentagon is looking at UFOs and they interview a person named, uh, um, Louis Alonzo. Is that his name? Yeah. I saw, I saw that guy. Yeah. I wow. think I might've pronounced his name wrong, which I probably should have 
done right. But anyway, um, this individual is claimed to have been the leader of ATIP. He's the yeah. one who would have signed the form to release these. He now works for a UFO organization that is ran by Robert Bigelow and Tom DeLong of the awful band Blink-182. <laughs> um, and so they are a UFO telepathy research group ran by all these people who used to work at ATEP. And he claims to have been the person who helped leak this and was the director there. Now, he, interestingly, although CNN interviews him as the leader of ATEP and many other publications have, um, freedom of information requests sent to the Pentagon have not disclosed that th this is the case. We do not know for sure that this individual was actually the leader of ATEP or even employed by ATEP. We don't know that. Right. He, like, I think he claims to have left. He left the organization. He sent them like a resignation letter because he he believed that the Pentagon wasn't taking the um, UFOs seriously enough or something. Yes, yes. So um, Alessandro, I believe is actually his name. So I, this is Alessandro, and he like he may have actually been the director of ATEP. I don't know, but the yeah. point is we don't know this for sure. Like Freedom of Information Acts were filed to try to demonstrate this, and they have not been able to. So I think that there's like no skepticism by the 60 Minutes crew or other major publications on this. But my main point is, and this big long-winded story and all these facts, are that major publications, including the New York Times and 60 Minutes, who I believe this video from 60 Minutes has almost 5 million hits right now on YouTube, mm -hmm. and it's been trending on Twitter all over, ran this really story. Yeah, a big deal, right? They ran this, <laughs> yeah, they ran this story that the Pentagon says that there's UFOs, that it's a serious matter, and that we should look into it further. But as I've, I've tried to in this big long-winded thing explain, this is a series of committed, non-materialist UFO telepathy researchers who have for decades been looking into different paranormal, you know, pseudoscience concepts investing money in it they got a political favor to run a side organization with minimal funding that was technically part of the pentagon then they said that this was aliens wow look at these videos then they got another paranormal ufo supporter at the new york times to run a story and so now there's it seems like there's this lineage of relevance oh new york times oh pentagon but really this is just enthusiasts of ufos and enthusiasts of telepathies kind of you know like drumming themselves up and making them seem like they're something they're not so right yeah i, I can definitely see the the trail of fingerprints on it is very uh suspect um and it seems like people aren't bringing that up uh, yeah i'm just pretty disappointed that 60 minutes basically would not ask skeptics their opinion Right. You know, I like the thing about um, skeptic journalists is that we they they know not necessarily like everything there is to know about like video debunking or, you know, biology or whatever that may be necessary to talk about the alien topic or the paranormal topic. But they know the history of the actors and these things and the way that these people you know, insidiously kind of plant their stories in the media. There's like a history of hucksters and charlatans and pseudoscience in America that, you know, has a particular flavor and style and, and, you know, well-read skeptics are kind of experts in that topic. And so they really should have 
ask somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like they basically interviewed a QAnon person and then like asked QAnon why they're so invested in QAnon and then didn't ask anybody else that doesn't believe in QAnon. Mm. You know, it's like that level of reporting. Like you don't just ask the people who are the most motivated actors. Like you have to ask somebody else. Right. And I remember they interviewed the supposed um, pilots who, so the, the videos that are probably the most famous ones that they used are um, these like 2004 clips from um, I think it's the USS Nimitz. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or, yeah. And another ship, I forgot the other ship's name. Um, and apparently some fighter jet pilots saw um, like a, a tic-tac, a floating tic-tac in the, in the ocean. Um, and it made like erratic movements and stuff. Um, it, but the problem is that like the video really didn't pick up on that. The video clips that they show aren't really that convincing. They're kind of blurry blobs and they can have a whole bunch of other, they can have a whole bunch of other natural explanations for them. Um, it's just that they're not just, they're not that convincing, you know? Yeah. I like, I don't think any really of these phenomenon I find compelling because I think any compelling video evidence would necessarily not be a UFO. So like, like UFOs are like inherently just weird video that isn't clear. Like they can never be a clear ship. Otherwise it wouldn't be a UFO. Right. Right. They're always on the horizon. They're always like hundred feet away. They're always like really blurry. It, it's very it's very odd that and then um, an interesting point is that the the Nimitz and uh, the other ship only detected these things after they installed new equipment into their ships. So yeah. it could be that this is just a, a malfunction typical of like installing new equipment. Well, there's there's really good debunking videos of the actual video because we know what they are. It's not mysterious to experts in photography or aerial phenomenon. You know, like, like, for example, like one of them shows a like bright triangle looking shape, which seems odd. But if you actually look at the way that the lenses capture, the lenses have a triangle point that they use to get light, you know, to work a certain way. I'm not an expert in optics, but, you know, like there, there's explanations for all this stuff. It's not right. really that mysterious. Um, so there's not that much there there, I would say. But yeah. my, my biggest concern isn't this UFO news, because like I said, a lot of these are like four year old videos now. Mm-hmm. Or, or older and it's this exact same level of evidence we've had for extraterrestrials since the 50s it's not any better like <laughs> we don't have any metamaterials or like un- absolutely unexplainable phenomenon it's just a bunch of weird stuff blurry stuff and subjective claims so i it, it doesn't interest me that much but the main thing that interests me is just how bad the media can be at reporting on paranormal stuff mm-hmm When the New York Times story broke, revealing the existence of the U.S. government's ultra-top-secret ATIP program, UFO experts and ancient astronaut theorists had validation for what they knew had been happening for decades. They do this with Bigfoot and UFOs and all kinds of stuff like this. I'm just, I don't know. It just kind of frustrates me that, you know, we like, like I said the other day, we have this era of not listening to science and it hurt us right mm-hmm. coming through the pandemic. And so when it comes to topics like this, you'd say, well, Oh, it's just a UFO. It's fun, but it's not just fun. It's talking about the real world and the Pentagon and how we should view things. Like it's a matter of 
reason and truth and honesty. And I, and when I see reporting like this, it just made me pretty mad. So that's why there's a 20 minute rant on this podcast about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they did. a They, they did failed a their duty. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think I think someone should get a stern talking to at 60 minutes is what I think. So Ooh, dang. All right. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can definitely see where somebody didn't do the sort of background checking of the, the interviewees and stuff. Um, it didn't, it yeah, didn't I mean, like, how do you balance. not mention how do you not mention that? Like, this is coming from the guy that owns Magic Woo Woo Bigfoot Parade Ranch. Like, you, you can't not mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so that, I, I that, that, that that's my um angry spiel on the sixty minutes UFO thing. Um I, I think that there's basically no new information here other than that the media still doesn't know how to report on science and it may never know how to report on science, unfortunately. Mm. Uh well that's the, I, <laughs> I hope I hope we kinda help clear the room on it a little bit. Yeah, because if if you listen to the story in chronological order, I don't think it sounds compelling. Right. It sounds compelling when you drop in at the end and say, "Oh, the Pentagon's like there's aliens, bro." And yeah, there's like, a oh. there's a tendency in in uh, pop culture and um, all these stories, these reporting stories, is to lend credence to anybody who has like a military background. Yeah, um, you see this in a lot of these um, sort like people use like sea monster stories from like World War II or oh god, I'm thinking about like a lot, it's mostly around UFOs now, but where people say that just because somebody was in the military or has like a specific rank and is repeating the story, therefore they must have a certain uh, more credibility with it. Um, I now want to watch a movie where a Kraken just kills a bunch of Nazi warships. <laughs> that would be great. There, there's an incident where like, um, what is it? It's like this, I don't know. Crap. I should think about it. It's like where like a giant crocodile, like monster shot out of the ocean and like literally like flew into the sky. Oh my God. I, oh, the name's <laughs> escaping awesome. me. I'm going to be kicking myself. <laughs> it's like this, it's like the, it's called like the USS tugboat incident or something like that. So people will correct me if I don't know it. And also there was an incident where like a giant squid supposedly attacked a, a, a U.S. ship, a carrier. In uh, World War Two, I remember. I remember looking at that. I yeah. hope that happens. Yeah, th- that's more plausible. But the thing is, the thing is, people lend cred- credibility to like, oh, he was a fighter pilot in the military, and he he swears that this is a UFO. Um, yeah, and I think that this guy Bigelow is like a billionaire too, right? Like, yeah, it's like, oh, look at all this money and aerospace technology invested in this. There must be something, right? And it's like, okay, but the something is, they're like, look at this video that's grainy. Isn't people, it weird? People can still make mistakes and not know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's just, I don't know. Just try a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Man, why, why is it? Why is it? It's just so lazy the way that they report it. And, and then they like talk to what's his face? Mark Rubio at the end. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> who gives a shit what Mark Rubio has to say? He, he wants to protect the country from the Chinese with these these UFOs. They're well, if there's a pact between the Chinese and the aliens. We should probably know that. You know, that's something we should probably know about. But uh, <laughs> the I Russians, they got that technology. They're going to they're going to outdo us with these UFOs, man. It's going to be it's Cold War Part Two. So I was on a podcast yesterday as a guest and they like they kept wanting to ask me like, if I believed aliens exist or not. 
Uh, and like, that's a loaded question. Well, my answer was, I don't know. Yeah. And they were like, well, what else about it? I'm like, that's it. I just don't know if aliens exist. Right. So I don't I don't know how I would know. I'm not sure how anybody else is claiming to know. I well, just don't know. It, it, it's weird because it, it, it has a whole bunch of layers in it because you can say, okay, I think it's plausible that extraterrestrial life exists out there somewhere. But that's different than saying like that they visited Earth or that they're intelligent and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Visitation is a completely different claim. Right? right. But I'm like, I'm saying I don't even know if I think it's possible there are aliens. I don't yeah. know. We, like, we don't have a data set there. We only have Earth where there's life in, and we don't know if there's life other elsewhere in the universe. Yeah. And, and by saying I'm not, no, I don't know. I'm not saying no, or I right. don't think there is. I just, the question is so complex and has so many premises that you're kind of sneaking in there without, you know, foundation that I don't feel comfortable having an opinion on it. Right. Um, Cause like a lot of people argue the law of big numbers, right? They're like, Oh, well there's so many dice rolls that mm-hmm. you're just going to get life. But my response to that is the way that we know that self-replicating molecules build complexity is long form. You get, you have to get a bunch of hits in succession over millions of years to start getting the right hits so that you can build complexity, right? Mm-hmm. Out of RNA, DNA. And like, you also have to roll for like um, things that life destroying events, right? Like massive chemical reactions in the environment, solar flares, supernova, asteroid impacts, like Mm. shifts in the gravitation or whatever that like just destroy this, this life creating process. Yeah. And we don't know how we don't know how delicate. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember, I remember somebody bringing up like, it might be that life can only sort of survive if there's a big Jupiter if the, in the solar system and it yeah, catches all the asteroids and protects we're it. We're further away from the Big Bang. We're in a semi-quiet part of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is necessary. Right. Maybe There's just, there's just no data set to, to yeah. compare it off of. That's the problem. Like, you can make up a bunch of hypotheses like the Drake equation, whatever, but you're really kind of just bullshitting with right. really fancy logic. It It doesn't... You don't really know. So I just... I just kind of say, hey, we'll find out when we find out. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe if we know how life on Earth started, then we could start to get closer. But we don't even know that. Right. It's a, it's already a mystery on Earth. We, we yeah. kind of don't understand. We know that it was probably natural, but it's hard to tell. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, abiogenesis happened on Earth probably because of some, you know, chemical process. But we don't know, actually, how abiogenesis got started. We just... right. We have hypotheses, but I don't think there's a unified theory. Yeah, probably these aren't UFOs. Well, I know one of them. One of them is like a Batman balloon, right? It's oh, like he's a, a Batman balloon. Yep, that's the it's best a balloon one. you find at Walmart for your kids' yeah, birthday he got party. His, he got his wings up, you know, like because he's Batman. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> someone just sees the balloon. This guy, like, what the hell is this? It's, that's that's the Russians, man. They're gonna they're gonna bomb us. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Republican senator, and the, I, I saw this balloon, and you got to give us $100 million in new defense funding because we got to figure <laughs> out what the hell's up with this. And some, some, meanwhile, some eight-year-old boy in, like, Nevada is crying because he lost his Batman balloon. Holy birthday cake. Holy headache. Holy ball and chain. Holy triple feature. Holy slip disc. Holy known unknown flying objects. well it's so these stories are so odd where like if aliens are visiting us why why are they being kind of lame and floating in the ocean once 
Hey, and don't be a bitch, aliens. Come down and say hi. Talk. Let's, you let's know, talk it out. If you're in <laughs> town, stop by and say hi. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. But I don't, my thing is, I think people do not understand how much space sucks. <laughs> space is just the worst shit ever. Oh, it's like so lame. You can't go anywhere. Everything's so far apart. It's yeah, like, it, it's so cold. There's no energy. There's no resources. It's just black and awful. Nobody likes space. Aliens <laughs> hate space if they're there. I, I promise you. I feel like I'm going to offend, um, sort of people that live in uh, the Southwest of, of the U S I've been to Nevada and Utah and stuff. Like it, it's so it's, it's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful States, beautiful region. It's everything is so far apart from each other. You go from yeah. like one town and it's like seven hours to the next one. And space is like that times like a billion. It's like, Oh, well, not even a billion. It's like <laughs> a, a trillions. I don't even know. It's like a, you can't even put a number next to it. It's a trillion times a trillion a trillion times. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, your, your, your little sapien brain can't handle it. You know, we, we can't think about these things. They're just nonsense, really. Right. Like, that's why we had to develop science. So we can even begin to think about this because our intuition just doesn't allow it. Mm. You know, but yeah, I, I, if there are little dudes banging around the universe, I wish them the best. Um, but And, you know, if we can send signals to each other, and we can watch your TV shows or whatever. That's cool. I am the Martian ambassador. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. They came in peace. But I understand if you guys don't want to come over here so for lots of reasons. Way. It's out it's of the way. Really, it's out of the way, much. man. We can <laughs> Skype or whatever. We'll figure it out. But we got Okapi. You know. Those are cool. We got uh, tapirs. You can't find those anywhere else. Yeah, but, uh, we used to have more stuff, but we're kind of you know, kind of phasing right. have, them out. We have street lights. Those you can't find those anywhere else in the universe. Those are only here. Yeah. Wait, did you want to do your other story? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can talk about my other story. Well, it's kind of a short one. Um, this kind of showed up on Twitter a little, like a couple of weeks ago, um, where people, so there's, I think a lot of people watching this will know, uh, what the Ark Encounter is. It's a, um, creationist, I don't want to, I don't want to say museum. It's kind of like a carnival. Like it's like it's a state, it's state funded religious propaganda. Okay, that's a better way to put it. I was put, I was put in a cutesy way, um, yeah, but I wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a it's a it's they call it a museum. It's for creationism, uh, which believes like the Noah's flood story is one hundred percent accurate, and and dinosaurs were on Noah's Ark. There was a global flood. You get the idea. Um, anyways, people were talking about how the models in the museum. So the museum is run by Ken Ham. Um, great guy. No, not great guy. <laughs> he's okay i guess he's hairy and and uh and has he has really a nice plans. charismatic speaking demeanor and if he was saying things that weren't awful i'd probably fancy him right yeah 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 well no wait yeah wait a second i'm taking back my good thing about him he he makes some the very bad tweets and comments about 
gay people and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, gay people are appropriating the rainbow. The gay people are appropriating God's symbol, and I'm going to put the rainbow all over the ark. I mean, <laughs> it kind of makes sense from his worldview because, like, the because his worldview is that the gays are bad and yes. that the rainbow was made because God's like, hey, I killed a bunch of babies, but I promise I won't do it again. And I mean, I it's nonsense, but I'm saying like, I get why in his weird bullshit, he would say that <laughs> it know? makes anyway. Yeah. So he has a, so he believes dinosaurs and all kinds of prehistoric animals were on the ark. What really happened to the dinosaurs? See, the Bible tells us that God made the land animals on day six of creation. And who else was created on day six? Well, Adam and Eve. And how long ago was that? Well, when you add up all the dates in the Bible, about 6,000 years. So taking God at his word in Genesis, dinosaurs lived beside people about 6,000 years ago. And so for the museum, he made a whole bunch of fantastic, like amazing prehistoric animal models. He has like intelodonts, like even like obscure ones. He has like intelodonts, he has pachycetus, he's got, um, what does he have? He has like some primitive hominids for some reason. He's got like... um, like primitive giraffes and all kinds of it's bizarre where it's a guy who doesn't really believe who that doesn't really he doesn't flat out believe in evolution but he he uses he co-ops like the discoveries of paleontologists that prove evolution like he the fact that he has pachycetus in there which is a like primitive whale with legs is bizarre to me it's 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 so strange that he he has these these really models that like these reconstructions of animals that existed that disprove his model in the museum it's it's like so strange yeah well their belief (laughs) the diversification of species isn't because of natural selection but they're they're different kinds and kinds can change into other kinds but they can't change their kind now what is the scientific explanation of what a kind is who knows there's, it's so vague. There's a like, there's like a dog saw, kind. There's a cat like, kind. <laughs> like let's say you saw a Tasmanian tiger, right? Yes. Would you say it? And then you saw like a normal dog, right? A canis. Would you say they're the same kind? They look like it. Yeah. Yeah, but a thylacine reached, reached its you know phenotype by a completely different evolutionary path. Right. You know, so they're not related at all. They just you know convergent evolution, baby. It's evolution, baby. Like yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. There's, it's nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Really... The, the, the point is the models in the museum are like better than most museum models, like actual like like state funded museums. It's 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 so it's so crazy. Uh, he has like a really gorgeous Carnotaurus, um, which is like a horned dinosaur, a horned predatory theropod. Um, really cool dinosaur. You probably saw it in Disney's dinosaur movie. The um, dinosaurs are also posed really well. They're like, like sleeping down in different positions and stuff. They're not just oh, monstrous, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. It, it's, it's so strange. It, it's, um, I know that he doesn't have, I think he has an Archaeopteryx on there, but he intentionally like calls it out. Like it doesn't prove evolution, even though it's a bird with like teeth and that's four my claws. Dino too. How dare he? <laughs> it's, it's yeah. The Carnotaurus is fighting a, a giant in a coloss uh, like a Colosseum, like in a gladiatorial yeah. arena. Um, so there was people like joking about like, we need to free them. We need to free the, the beautiful, <laughs> beautiful models <laughs> for sure. They are awesome. They're like, really good. I would let them be in my house. 
Yeah. Well, he he has like the one that really sticks out to me is he has like a um oh it's one of the stem the stem um hominids or hominins um like primitive apes and he says that like he so it's weird he believes in a very strange form of evolution mm-hmm. so he believes that so he says that chimpanzees orangutans gorillas bonobos they didn't exist before the flood and they all descended from a common ancestor which is this ape this fossil ape that was on the ark and huh. they all diversified afterwards right okay. Isn't that, like, he he essentially believes in like really rapid evolution um, yeah because the earth is six thousand years old yeah right and they date that because like um and you know in the torah they have the ages of you know the descendants of adam right yeah so like you have people living 900 600 years and stuff and they just kind of go to that all the way up to king david and then jesus and then now so they kind of mm-hmm. have to compress everything really tight right but yeah, they, yeah. they think that like the reason dinosaur bones are placed out through like, um, you know, geological layers is just that's the flood, basically, mm-hmm. you know, like the flood moved all the dirt around. And so you see stuff scattered in the layers because like when they died in the flood secession. We're not going to talk about how they're layered in a very specific order. You don't really find them chilling with anomalocaris or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the famous phrase, right? You could disprove evolution by like finding... um rabbits in the cambrian you yeah know, like, just one just uh, literally one rabbit <laughs> would, would do yeah, it because because we would not know what the hell to say about that <laughs> right we'd be like huh well, that's uh weird <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah they, don't they also have the dinosaurs versus giants thing there yes that's the that's the gladiatorial arena scene it's it's very beautiful see the people who make these should work in like actual museums like that would be an amazing yeah, roman reconstruction a- or something this is a thing Christianity has been doing for centuries. They take really fantastic artists and they get them to serve nonsense. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what the Sistine Chapel is, right? Yeah. You're like, and then like, sometimes I'll, I'll criticize and I'm like, this is my personal opinion. You know, I don't think religion in and of itself has any value. Um, and people are like, well, what about the art it created? I was like, yeah, that's the art the artist created. Like, it's really good at co-opting different cultural technology. Like, you know, gatherings or music or, you know, just in-group, out-grouping or paintings. Like, it co-ops all this other stuff and puts it together in this really effective package and then says, well, how can you say this doesn't have cultural value? But I'm like, we can isolate all that stuff. I'm an atheist. I can enjoy the songs or the painting. I got the Lord. I got the Lord. I got the good Lord is going down on me. Down on me. I got the Lord. I got the good Lord is going down on me. The good Lord is going down on you? What is that supposed to mean, Charlie? What? It's like, Why are you dressed like this? Come on, man. It's perfect. Where did you get it? I had my sources. You know, like the fact that I don't think that that really was an Adam or really was, you know, L. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy the Sistine Chapel painting. I still right. think it's, it's an important part of human mythology and understanding and culture. Like you can say fine. this about like Greek busts and stuff like statues. Like I, we're, yeah, we don't really still believe sexy. In, yeah. <laughs> right. I can, I don't believe that like in Zeus or Hercules or whatever, but like I enjoy the, the statue. It looks cool. I respect yeah. the art of the, the, the skill that took into making that without actually believing the story itself. These dinosaurs, I feel like they're like cop dogs where they're like in service to something awful, but like it's a dog. So you want to save it. 
<laughs> Cop die. Whoa, that's a that is a really really great analogy. I've never heard that before. That's great. These poor these poor dinosaurs. You know they're they're serving this anti science nonsense. Well, they're, they're all just... in cages. They're all in cages because it's Noah's Ark. And if they weren't in cages, they would destroy each other. <laughs> we need to get them hungry. out. We need to get them out for pride and then march them down the street with like pride <laughs> flags on and stuff. They'll be like they'll be like idols. We'll we'll carry them like that golden calf. Just like the golden calf. <laughs> awesome. He'd love that. Oh, Ken. Ken, my man. I'm I'm waiting for Ken to block me on on Twitter. Whenever he posts a rainbow or something like that, I jokingly like say like, "Oh, thanks, Ken." And it's good to see you come around to the the to support uh the LGBT community. It's awesome, man. And I'm, like, I'm waiting for him just to get sick of me doing that. <laughs> Oh man, all these I'm just looking at pictures of Jesus with dinosaurs, which I know like have been mean for 15 years, but you know, I kind of stopped seeing him the last couple of years, so just seeing him again is just funny. <laughs> There's a, have you ever listened to uh Eddie Lizard? Yeah, of course. A bit on like Jesus meeting dinosaurs. So in the Christian faith, God created um Adam in his own image, yeah? Um so that was good. But 65 million years before that, God created the dinosaurs using the image of his cousin Ted. <laughs> And uh, Ted was not the black sheep of the family. He was the huge fucking monster of the family. <laughs> and, and it must have been God. You know, we, no, it's not in the Bible, is it? It should have been mentioned somewhere around Genesis. You think God would have grabbed someone's arm, some scribe who was coming out and saying, but before that, there were dinosaurs <laughs> who were a bit crap, so fuck them. Um... Yeah, so dinosaurs. <laughs> um, but now let's get to the important part of the podcast, my friend. Yes, yes. This is the part this is the that best. people actually care about. And yeah. that is Monster Quest. Monster Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Head start. Witnesses around the world report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers. On Monster Quest. Witnesses around uh, the world. Uh, witnesses. <laughs> oh, it's just so good. It's so beautiful. I just love it so much. We we finally we finally figured out that what that kid was running from in the intro. There's this like red haired kid and he's running for his life from this big shadow. We finally yeah, found so out just what like, it was. Um, I don't know if you'll get this one, but like uh on Toonami, they used to show Dragon Ball Z, right? And in the trailer at the very end, Goku would go Super Saiyan. But we're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> um, and, you know, then you finally see it and you're like, oh, okay. So basically, yeah, the Monster Quest intro has the, the kid running, looking over his shoulder. And there's this big shadowy bird and he's going to get him. Yeah. And like, now we know what that bird was <laughs> <laughs> and it was disappointing <laughs> yeah so what is this one called bud this one is oh you're gonna it, it's a it's a lovely title it's um birdzilla is it just it bird is. is it just birdzilla let's see i believe so i'll double check Pro- that no no TV. it's proof of birdzilla revealed oh my god we got not only it's do we have worse. proof it's revealed like, it's revealed the mystery has been solved Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. This wow. was a this was a classic right here. This is a this was, I was going to say this is a great episode. No. 
So what are we looking into on this one? So this episode, it is about, um, it's about, and I think it's mostly North America. And like, I think they specifically named out three states. They named out Alaska, Texas, and Illinois, these unconnected regions of the United States. And they're like, there is a giant, giant bird. I think it's around like, let's see, I took some notes, 15 to 20 feet wingspan um giant predatory nice. blackbird and it but it not a predatory blackbird just a bird that is black yeah just a bird that has black feathers and it's giant and, and i'm assuming it's like a giant eagle or condor or something like that and it it eats people um, i hope so that sounds great <laughs> and they and it's called so they used they used a sort of mythological creature from native american folklore called the thunderbird and that's what they call it that is such a trope and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like they find a Native American story and then they like appropriate it and take about 30% of it over and like leave all the spiritual or like folklore parts of it behind. Yeah. Well, that's a that's an important thing that they talk about in this episode that they get wrong. So they use um, when they're talking about the Thunderbird, they shout out this um, this mural that's in it's a big painting in uh, Illinois. It's called the Paisaw mural. I think it's, I think I'm saying that right. Paisaw. Um, it's in Illinois. It's on like this cliff and it's like, they, they said it's a painting of like a bird, predatory bird, um, like mythological monster, like dragon thing. Um, and they say that that's evidence of the Thunderbird existing for thousands of years. And it's this real creature that people saw. Um, but the problem with that is, is the, so here's the thing with the Paisa mural is that, um, the mural that's painted in Illinois today, it's, it's just outside of St. Louis. Um, and it's, uh, it has wings and it looks like this big, like lion, like creature. That's not what it looked like in its original state. Oh, that's so, interesting. Right. Yeah. So the original, the original mur- mural was painted like, um, so French, uh, missionaries and explorers, um, oh, visited it. French. The French, <laughs> they we're back. We're back. They're coming back. <laughs> um, they saw they so like they recorded the mural and um, sketched it out on a on maps and on. Um, I think we have two sketches, and it lacks the wings. It's like a big sort of horned, like leopard-looking creature um, with like a human face and has like deer antlers. Doesn't have wings. Maybe there's some sort of animal that we could make a sacrifice to. Like a giant buffalo or some sort of monster, like something with the body of a walrus, with the head of a sea lion, or something with the body of an egret, with the head of a meerkat, or just the head of a monkey with the antlers of a reindeer. It does not have any wings. Um, and which is, which is, which is odd. It, it the wings don't show up until long after the mural was sort of destroyed. Um, the mural was the, reportedly the mural was so, um, native Americans would, uh, when they, they would use their guns and like ceremonially like shoot at the mural, um, when they pass by it, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the reasons exactly were for, for that, but the shooting it, stuff was fun, man. Yeah, yeah, and it eventually it destroyed the mural. So the modern mm-hmm. mural that you see today is not the original. That was built in like that was drawn in like the 30s, and they added the wings. The wings are new. Um, odd. So the the original mural was it's the largest mural in North America. It's the largest painting that they, uh, pre-contact North America, and it was probably built by the Mississippian culture. Mm-hmm. which was like probably around the thousands to uh, 1,500 AD. And um, it's actually nearby the ancient city of like Cahokia, um, which was like this big giant North American uh, city that existed before contact. Um, and it was drawn by the Mississippians. And it appears that the original painting was this popular motif in their uh, religion. It is like the water links. Um, it's just like this mythological creature. That's a lynx that lives in water. And it's kind of like a spirit or deity, and it's a it's a mythical creature. The point sure. is that it has nothing to do with the Thunderbird. <laughs> it, it 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 this is entirely fabricated. This is this is something that white people made up. Yeah. So the way that it looks now with the wings, it looks kind of like an Americanized Griffin, right? right? And so the way that it looked before was nothing like that, right? It's it's just some kind of um, it almost looks like um a lot of medieval art really where like the mm-hmm. creatures are kind of like don't have super clear anatomy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like they're, they're probably their form and focus serves a storytelling purpose. And like, yeah, we just always retrofit everything to fit our stuff. I think. it's Right. Kinda... Well, the thing is, is that the painting, so the monster quest uh, team uses a quote from um, one of the, the French missionaries. Um, and they, the French missionary is actually really, really racist. Um, oh, they, they made sure to cut out that part of his quote. Um, it's like literally in the same sentence and his, his quote is, I'm going to read it right now. It's, it's bad. He goes, um, what does he say? He says the, the two monsters are so well painted that we cannot believe that any savage is their author. Yeah. Good painters in France would find it difficult to reach that place conveniently to paint them. So like they were like, the native Americans were too dumb to paint. <laughs> That's that was his claim in the, in the same like paragraph. Man, uh, it is just awful the way we talk about the first Americans. Yeah. It, it's it's rough. Just, it happens so much in crypto too. Like everybody, like they, they treat any of their folklore, like it must be real, which they think maybe is reverent, but I feel like it's dehumanizing them. You know, right. like they weren't humans that just made up stories. Like nobody sees Medusa and it was like, wow, obviously there were snake headed people. Right. Like they don't, we don't do that with Greek art. I guess we do that with the story of Atlantis, but like <laughs> most, most stuff we don't do that with, we accept that they're metaphorical or mean something. And these people are making art and like, you know, they have a rich culture that makes art. <laughs> yeah. But it, well, it's a cool that's the thing is the, the Paiso has a, a more interesting story where like there are really weird, um, like conspiracy theorists that say the Paisa is like evidence of Chinese explorers in the Americas before Columbus. Oh yeah. Um, well, there's that one book by that guy, 1941 or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 That, that's one of his, I think that's one of his evidences. Um, and people have redrawn the Paisa again to make it look more like a Chinese dragon, mm. um, which again, it's always drifting away from what the original image that was drawn by native Americans look like. It's kind of uh, like the sorcerer or whatever it is that it does look paint. like the sorcerer. Sorcerer, um, yeah, where they where we kind of draw it and it looks more monstrous than it, it would have looked, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. Where like even the sorcerer doesn't actually look like what the famous illustration makes it look like. Creationists oh. do this all the time with art they say are dinosaurs. Also, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, a lot of these are they're carved in the cave, so they're not like fully detailed things. So it's pretty easy to Rorschach test them and make them be what you want them to be. Oh yeah, speaking of Ken Ham, he did that with um the black the I'm going to say quote unquote black dragon pterosaur. Oh heck yeah. A, where it literally is not a pterosaur. It is somebody vandalized the original artwork, which was like several unconnected um, like creatures. It was like a snake, a person, um, some other, like a spiral, some so like a whole bunch of symbols. And somebody went up there and like took like a chalk outline and made it look like it was like a pterosaur. Um, and it's just straight up not. It's not a pterosaur. That's not what the original painting looked like. Ugh. anyways one of the main stories that's in this episode kind of like the crux of it is there's this kid in the 70s he's hanging out having a good time outside boom hide and seek giant bird big white ring around his neck super black comes down with its talons picks the kid up carries him for like i don't know 30 feet and then drops him he's fine yeah, it just lets him go. And I remember watching that scene as a kid and wondering what happened to his like little um, his little tank top that he was wearing, and the bird yeah. pulled him up by it. I was like, that would be great evidence if like the bird's claw marks were in like the tank top. It wouldn't be great. It would just be something. It would be something to give some validity to his story. Basically, that's the story. It's kid picked up, carried a bit, let go. Bird was large. It was black, white ring around its neck. That's pretty much the story. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have claw marks or ripped attire or feathers or anything. Yeah. Um, do I think this happened? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do I, you think? I can, I, I like the explanation that one of the scientists gave in the episode is that maybe it was like a big bird that just kind of shoved him a little bit. Like it was yeah. like a, a pissed off bird and just like flew at his back and tipped him over. I kind of, I mean, a large like raptor could dive down and maybe attack a human, um, right? That could happen. I don't think it could pick it up. No, that's it. Well, they, 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 I liked how they really talked about how like the idea of like birds, uh, like predatory giant birds, like picking up a human and stuff is just like this. It's, it can't happen. Like it's just not feasible with their anatomy. It's not a question of where he grips it. A one-ounce bird could not carry a two-pound coconut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good reference right there. The swallow may fly south with the sun, or the house martin or the plover may seek warmer climes in winter, yet these are not strangers to our land. Are you suggesting coconuts migrate? Not at all. They could be carried. What? A swallow carrying a coconut? It could grip it by the husk. It's not a question of where he grips it. It's a simple question of weight ratios. A five-ounce bird could not carry a one-pound coconut. Well, it doesn't matter. Will you go and tell your master that Arthur from the court of Camelot is here? Listen, in order to maintain airspeed velocity, a swallow needs to beat its wings 43 times every second, right? Please! Yeah, well, like the, the I talked about this. I made a video, like one of my first videos. I, I re-listened to it to see what I said. 
Um, and it's awful. It, I, I hadn't hit puberty yet. My voice oh, yeah. is like, have you now? So cringy. I, I think so now. Okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> well, oh, I'm, I'm hurt. Uh, I'm um, sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, the thing is, so there's a, there's a, um, for tetrapods, for four legged, um, creatures, four legged vertebrates, um, there's like a general rule with when you, if you can fly. Um, the general rule is for every, for the length of your body, um, your wings have to be three t- your your wingspan from wingtip to wingtip has to be three times that. So like, let's say you're a, a one foot tall creature, you have to have a three foot wingspan to be able to fly. Um, that's like the minimum. Sometimes mm-hmm. it has to be bigger um, in order for it to work. And it has to do a little bit with like your your bone density and that kind of stuff. But generally, you have to have really, really giant wings if you're a large creature. Um, and this rule generally works if you, t- if you test it out, if you measure like the length of an animal, um, from it's like face to its butt versus wingtip to wingtip, it's generally like around three times the, the length of the body. Um, so I tried this with like, with a Mothman. Mothman is like supposedly like five or, or six feet tall, something like that. And in order for like Mothman to fly, he, ha- he would have had to have like 20, 21, something like that wingspan, giant, giant wings, um, which is just not what you find. He has probably like six foot wings. Um, they're generally like the same length of his body. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting little thing that you can test out if, if like a cryptid is feasible. Test this out, kids. So what you're <laughs> saying is that uh, I need to, I don't need to fear Mothman anymore. He's not going to give me. He's not going to get you. If he existed, he would just run on the ground embarrassingly, like oh. Naruto running <laughs> with his arms falling backwards. So I, I don't know enough about this topic, but obviously moths, their wings are made out of a different pattern, you know, method of flight than like raptors, right? Mm-hmm. So is it different? Do they need more wings? Yeah, it's, it's different for insects. There's a different, there's different density. Like there's that myth that um, bees what is it? It's like bees. Oh, yeah, we don't a, know how science can't prove that how bees fly. Yeah, that's you a, told a bee it can't fly, it it would stop or something like that. Or yeah. I don't know. It was in front of the bee movie with Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, a classic, classic, beloved um, film <laughs> in the Western canon of films. <laughs> um, the point is, yeah, it's different for insects. They're smaller, so the the whole work of it is they don't even works have lungs. They don't have lungs. They breathe differently. They don't have an endoskeleton. Um, yeah, but for, for tetrapods, if you want to talk about tetrapods, yeah, the rule is three times the length of the body. And you can kind of call out when a cryptid's fake, when it doesn't really meet the sort of laws of physics with that. Um, yes. So so in this video, they they uh, they go out to a creek or a river or whatever, and they, they have some video of some really large, you know, soaring birds. Mm-hmm. But like when they kind of analyzed them, um, two of the three scientists were like, "Yeah, that's just a bird." They said it. They, the two of the three scientists agreed that it was a turkey vulture. Yeah, turkey like, vulture specifically. They literally agreed, and like the and the last guy said it might be a condor. I, I'm not exactly. I'm not, I can't tell for sure. And then like Monster Quest, this was this was a low blow right here. I, I kind of I got upset with this. Monster Quest says there's no agreement between experts. 
Therefore, yeah. therefore, it must be a, a, a giant birdzilla. It's like, no, no, it's that's not what they said. Two yeah. out of the three agreed. So therefore you leaned with like what they what the general agreement is that it's a turkey vulture. And the other guy was like, I don't know, maybe it's a condor, but like Which is also a known animal. <laughs> and also condor is a problem because there's just no way a condor, which is a scavenger, is picking up some kid. Right. Right, yeah, so like, like they talk about how their hand, their um, their claws are different. They they're not really grasping claws like an eagle's. Yeah, so like that's you didn't get any there there, but they just kind of went with it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was that was annoying. Um, yeah, let's but see. then but then they do some real hardcore science. Oh, I, I was loving this. This was this was like oh, this was awesome. They should have had whipped out the 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 yeah music with the sunglasses yeah! <laughs> so they build a kite <laughs> that's it that's it they get they get the what it, what was his name he was like the chief kitist he was he was literally the best in in, in the world for kites yeah the king of kites i forget his name so i'm not going to look it up sorry guy <laughs> i'm sorry you were cool we think you're cool to test this assertion, Boyaja will work with Cliff Quinn, the American Kite Association's 2005 champion kite builder, for a simple experiment on perspective. There were many factors involved in the design of this particular kite. I wanted the frame to flex just as the condor's wings would flex. He made a giant, giant bird kite, and it, 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 he, showed, he whipped it out in front of a, in a park, it was flying around and then it crashed into the lake. And I thought that was like the funniest thing. <laughs> well, it wasn't, you know, they were, the poor guy. It's like, I just got to make a giant bird kite real quick. You know, I, I don't have time to make it the best kite ever. I, I'm picturing the behind the scenes where he's like stressed, like smoking. He's like, oh, crap, it's not working. <laughs> it was a cool kite, to... though. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. And then they asked a bunch of people like, hey, bro, how big was that kite? And someone's like, oh, man, that's like 40 million feet. Monster. Yeah, there was a guy that just wasn't taking it seriously at all. He was, yeah. he was, just, I want to get on TV. <laughs> and some people are like, oh, it's normal size. You know, like nobody could tell. Because <laughs> it's just like the UFOs. Like we're humans are not good at telling the size and speed of things in the air. Yeah, just, we're not good at it. Like so many things that people say are UFOs are just bugs that flew behind over the lens, and they look like they're going really fast because they're going close to the lens. Right. You know, or like it's just we're not good. We because we don't get proven wrong, like because we don't see the thing. So, like, we just see something in the sky and we like kind of just bullshit what how big or fast it's going and then it's gone. So, you never really get the your brain doesn't kind of get to like figure out what the answer is. So, you can store that for next time, right? Right. That's that's, that's true. That's exactly true. Humans are really bad at, at judging things by in themselves. general. You hear that, humans. <laughs> <laughs> we we constantly like, exaggerate stories, add details, subtract details. Um, that's why that's why it's difficult when a when a cryptid is based entirely on um, eyewitness reports. That's the toughest thing because it's like, what can you do at that point? Like, you're supposed to believe them? Like, yeah, it's not like we have blurry videos myself. to back this up. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's that. There's the kite. Um, so they, so they prove that people can't tell bird sizes after they've been talking about people who they say their story is interesting because they could tell a bird size. Right. They're like, oh, there's a kid in the woods and he saw a big bird. Or, the, oh, there's a kid who saw I got grabbed by a big bird. Or here's some people who saw I took video of a big bird. 
Then they're like, hey, people don't know if birds are big or not. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then one point, one point was really annoying to me. It's like they used examples of like, at the time, recently discovered new species in like Papua New Guinea or some like isolated jungle. And we're like, see, there's new species discovered all the time. And it's like a very kind of small bird or like a new monkey species. And it's like, it's such a false like comparison. It's like, no, this isn't like Illinois. This isn't like the U.S. Well, this is the same thing they do. They, I think it's because um, they want a materialistic, you know, naturalist answer because they know the people whose opinion they want to change would respect that just like with Bigfoot. So they're trying to, you know, they're like, oh, it's um, uh, Gigantopithecus Blackie or, oh, the Loch Ness Monster is a plesiosaur because they're like, hey, you believe in that. <laughs> so let's just stretch it. So like they just need a They need a natural explanation. So they just try so hard to pin they it to out, science. They whipped out uh, Argenta avis from uh, yeah. which is like a fossil giant condor species. Oh, they show that famous photo, too. The famous the, photo that like every every like YouTube channel um, they post as the thumbnail and go like this is giant bird and like because right, it's, it's it's so awesome. misleading it's 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 yeah. it's awesome looking but it's misleading because it makes you think that like a trophy hunter shot it down and that's like its skin that's what um, I believe it's it's a it, but it's like a it's just like a reconstruction that a museum made yeah um, it's like the um, cowboys with the um, pterosaur. Oh, the the Civil War, yeah, the yeah. the Civil War. Like they have the the Confederate soldier is holding up a pterosaur. I'm surprised they didn't mention that in this one. I bet you somebody wanted to, and they had to be like, "Come on, man." Well, they they brought up pterosaurs for like no reason. They just went like pterosaurs existed. They were really giant. True. Um, uh, <laughs> You're not wrong. In, scientists <laughs> believe they died in sixty six million years ago. Scientists like, believe you're like yes, <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. that's true. <laughs> okay, in that sentence and move on. You better not say but. I don't want to hear a but coming. Well, I think later, later we're probably going to get into this where um, they actually get into the whole pterosaur thing, and they they get my old friend the rope and oh. John and Jonathan Whitcomb. That's going to be a that's going to be an exciting episode right there. <laughs> I love rope and art though because he's like this cool black sky demon. Oh yeah, it's a really creative monster in the sense that it's like glowing in the dark and stuff. Like it's creative. Like that's good creature design right there. I, I feel also I feel like there's a um a little bit of cultural insensitivity in this episode. Um, mm. They have some people kind of dress up in kind of uh, stereotypical Native American outfits and try to summon the bird with their Indian magic. Yeah. And I don't know. The stuff kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So yeah, it's it's well, it's a little weird. It's sort of like what we were talking about with like the um, military guys. When you have like a military rank, it like for some reason in some people's minds, it makes it like oh, your story is that much more authentic. Like oh, a Native American uh, person of Native American descent claimed to have seen this. Therefore, that means that's it's even better. It's that like means that it's, guy's probably a mechanic, or you know, he's a He's a lawyer. What does he know? People people do this a lot with Bigfoot too. They go like, "I'm a I'm a hunter. I've been in the woods for for hundreds of hours. I've I've seen all the animals there are, and I I know that this wasn't something that I knew." And it's like I don't know about that. Like I'm not an expert, but like, how do you know it wasn't just a mistake? Or you're a person prone to mistakes too, just because you have certain qualifications or whatever. 
Yeah, there's the always I know what I saw, right? Yeah. The I know what I saw argument, but no, you don't know what you saw. You don't have a way to perfectly recall that. You're just remembering the way that your brain wrote it down. Mm. You know, sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. it sucks that our brains are like that. I wish our brains were 4K GoPros, but <laughs> but they aren't. Now, that's why things like like um hypnosis recall is just bullshit. Yeah. What are you recalling? Your brain didn't perfectly capture the event. Your brain captured a subjective version of the event. And every time you recall it, it slightly changes it. So in summation, don't think the kid was picked up by a bird. (laughs) I think a bird could pick up. I think birds have attacked humans and will attack humans in the future in minor ways, but not so like grandiose and metal as this, unfortunately. Um, Oh, sorry, you go first. Yeah, so like there was a popular video in 2012 of what looked like a golden eagle attacking a bird. Oh, and that got, video. Yeah, it got shared around the internet a lot. I actually saw it like two weeks ago. My friend's like, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, that's good CGI, but, you know, like, <laughs> and that's all it was. It was just fake. Um, I tried to find incidents, and there's other like reports. And like I said, I can believe that birds, um, you know, might go near somebody in an aggressive way. But mm-hmm. as far as I know, um, birds have never picked up like a seven year old kid off the ground. It just, it, it just can't like, physically, you know, a bird, like it's a very light thing. Birds are super, super light animals. And it's cause like their bones are all hollow and they, it, and in order to be lifted up into the air, they have to be super, super, super light. Um, yeah. and when you pile a, a kid on top of that, like you're going to get weighed down, they can only carry so much. So um, if a large bird or even a t- turkey vulture or whatever did kind of like go by this kid, he it would have been maybe terrifying to him. And, you know, his brain couldn't really comprehend what was going on. And so he thought he was picked up because he like felt like weightless or out of control or whatever. I mean, this is just like me spitballing a hypothesis. But like, you know, so I'm not saying something with a bird didn't happen to the kid, but um, there's no model or kind of argument for how a bird could have picked him up. It just probably didn't happen so right yeah that's the thing yeah it, it, it's it's with these stories like when i when you have to be a skeptic and talk about like eyewitness reports and like at a certain point you just hit a wall because a person you you go like you can't really trust an eyewitness that's the problem yeah it's unfortunate because our justice system is based on it right <laughs> it's yeah. it's this difficulty where you the human brain is this really really fallible thing and it can be convinced that all kinds of things actually happened that didn't. So, yeah, I think that this is uh, the worst one we've seen so far. <laughs> I, I, I messaged you like after I finished it and was like, this sucks. Like, what did I say? I was yeah. like, it was like, this is bad, man. <laughs> oh, also, did you look at the link I just sent you? That was. Uh... Oh, I, I love that. I, I saw that the weird, weird and wild creatures. Yeah, the weird and wild version. Of I, the, I had no the idea that they had a version of the Paisa. That's awesome. That's a uh, weird and wild for sure. Weird and wild creatures. Um, I, some of the people my age will get this. Like, it's this amazing like trading card thing that um, we would have. We would have a uh, book fairs, like Scholastic book fair at at our at our schools in elementary school, where um, they would just take us in the library. And it was essentially like a sale where they just had a whole bunch of really, really cool books. And uh, my the thing that I would always buy is the Weird and Wild Creatures cards. And they would be like, they, they would have like several different types. They'd have like actual animals that existed. They'd have like Great White Shark. And it's like the artwork's really funny. They, they got Grizzly like Bear and Thousand. Grizzly Bear. 
and it like it's growling at it's like all like foreshortened and it's like growling at the camera attacking but they it. also have cthulhu and then like and then like they just go off the deep end and it's like all right we want to make like monsters even like copyrighted monsters which is like i don't looking back i'm like i don't know how they got the rights to like draw um they uh, you're gonna love this they had a a um a uh sauron card what they they literally had a Sauron. They had three because I think it was because of the, the around the time that the, of Morgoth himself. Yeah, they had they had. So this was around probably the time that the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out. So they had I think they were trying to cash in. So they had three cards. I think they had um, Sauron. They had a, a ring wraith, and then they had uh, Shelob the the Shilob, spider, which Shilob. is the um, granddaughter of Ongoliath, the first mm-hmm. spider that ate the two trees. Damn, that sounds so cool. I I I watched the Lord of the Rings movies for the first time recently. Oh well, good, they're, they're they're awesome. Good job like watching the... some of the best, most popular movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the card. It's like so weird these cards. Um, and I guess they made one for the Paisa, which is which is really cool. Um, I I looked back on it and so so like they would release them as books too, and they hired a different artist for the books. And the art is like it's it's like computer generated. It looks like something that um like a program would make it's like it's super bizarre i love them they I got morgan Le Fay. <laughs> what the wait they have morgan Le Fay. they had like a uh, like legendary monsters um oh Mor- morgan lefay is like the antagonist from the theory and legends and a lot of traditions that people don't know so they had the tr- the truffle what not truffle is that's from uh dr seuss um like the predatory plants from like a movie from like the 60s Oh, oh so they have a salamander, not the normal one, but the fire one. The fire salamander. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. These are so cool. I wish I know, we could show people. So, people, when you're listening to this, you know, feel free to Google. Get on the Google wild images. Creature. It is. It is a treat. It, you ever want to refresh like your brain? Like these are amazing. <laughs> yeah, these they, are fantastic. I think I don't know if this would be the best part of the podcast because we're both just kind of looking at these. <laughs> <laughs> but man, they're just they're super fun. They're great. Like, oh, oh, they had. They like got a, a Moby Dick one. It's not just. It's not even just like uh, a whale. They're just like, nope. It's Moby Dick himself. <laughs> Here he is. They had a book that I, I have. This book still. I, I I looked at it recently. It's it's all. It's a book devoted solely to dragons and like mythology. Um, and there's like one. There, I, it blew my mind. There was one that was like the size of a moon. It's from like a some like Arabian mythology. Yeah, and it was like. It would it would like eat the moo every now and then. Oh, awesome stuff! The big dragon <laughs> in Lord of the Rings is Ungelion the Black. The Black. Although uh, fan art often draws him too large, but he's, he's pretty big. That's awesome. I know that uh, doesn't don't they have like um the first dragon and that doesn't actually have wings? It's like a giant sort of crocodile like monster. Yeah, it doesn't have wings. That's cool. Oh, it's a cool world. Yeah. So Mor- Morgoth, um, he creates the dragons and like. When they at first they get beat and they so he kind of like learns over time to develop them with wings and kind of changes them a bit. He can't create life, but he can like pervert and modify life. So mm, that's really cool. Yeah, Morgoth's the really the big bad guy of Middle Earth. Arda um, Sauron was the lieutenant of Morgoth, mm. and then after Morgoth is kind of disposed and put in like a celestial prison, um, Sauron like gets in with the humans and makes friends with them and learns ring craft from the elves. And then that's when he starts his plan of, you know, making the rings and everything. Nice. Hey, that's really cool. 
Sorry, maybe, maybe uh, my Lord of the Rings references will be your Game of Thrones. Stuff. No, 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 no. I, I like Lord <laughs> of the Rings. <laughs> I like how I like how like um, Smaug is like the the wimpiest baby dragon. It, it, it's and he's like ones. formidable. Yeah, cool it's good. Not the <laughs> last films they made of it, but the books are good. Yeah. So I think that this monster quest. Okay, so like. On IMDb, this one gets a 5.8 out of 10. Oh. I think I've given this one probably a 3. Yeah. Say. I, let me think what I would give this. I would give this, um, well, for the like sort of deceptive things that they said, there was some generally good information in this. I learned something. Like I learned about bird talons and, and uh, that, that kind of stuff. So maybe... I'll give it like a three or a four. I'll be I'll be like you. That's probably about me too. I, I would give it a two, but I like the kite, so it bumps me to three. <laughs> the kite, <laughs> the actual scientist that they got for it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I'll be around that three or four. Well, I mean, it's kind of a bit unfair to me because they kind of debunk it almost, right? You know, <laughs> but like it makes it's just not that fun. It's like, oh, is there a big bird? They're like, probably not, but maybe. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like so i don't know it's just not that enticing of an episode i think that's why even on imdb gets a lower rating because like even people who aren't as skeptical as us watch it and it just doesn't really hit with them there was there wasn't anything to really show for it they they essentially only had one eyewitness like one real eyewitness was the kid grown up um and and that's it they really didn't have much else to talk about yeah uh so next episode is Bigfoot. So I think we're going to skip that one. Oh, God. <laughs> are you down with that? Yeah. What, let me see what uh, episodes so, like, are next. I don't want to get in the habit of skipping them. and may, So maybe we'll remember the ones we skip and pop back and again later. But I feel like we have uh, kind of put the big hairy guy to bed. You know? <laughs> well, at a certain point, there's this, this one has the Patterson-Gimley film. Yeah. Gimel? Um, Gimli? Gimli. Gimli. Gimli, like like the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings character. Nobody tosses a dwarf. Yeah, I could. Okay, here, can... here, people on Twitter <laughs> and people with emails, <laughs> tweet at Trey or I. Yeah, or send us an email. You can just go to aftergoldrush.space and contact. Send me an email. Let us know if you want us to do the Bigfoot episode of Monster Quest next, which is in order. It's episode five. Or we can skip it and go right to mutant canines. Yeah, yeah I kind of like mutant canines. So, well, if we get enough people asking us to do Bigfoot um, again, we'll do Bigfoot. Otherwise, we're going to skip and do mutant canines. Mutant canines. <laughs> Which sounds like a ripoff of Teenage Mutant Turtles, like Street Sharks or something. <laughs> street Sharks. <laughs> Dude, no one believes me, but he, here's one of my paranormal beliefs. Um, raviolis, Chef yes. Boyardee. Okay. They got different flavors, right? Different shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal shapes, like a circle or whatever, or they're fine. But the, there was a street shark one in the 90s. I thought they tasted way better than the other flavors. I don't know why. 
but they were fantastic. And my mom would never believe me. And she was like, oh, you just want the street shark ones because you like street sharks. I'm like, mom, street sharks is mediocre at best. I just want that <laughs> delicious taste. OK, and so I miss them. And I wish that I could uh, prove that they were actually better than the other ones. That I, I have that same thing. Um, so I don't know if people will get this. There's this dinosaur oatmeal. Um, they sell it. I don't know. With the they eggs? Sell, with the, you know what I'm talking about? The eggs. I'm well educated. Oh, the, that, that is like the best. That, yeah, that, the eggs good, melt. Yep. And they, they, you stir it up. Oh, Now I want that. <laughs> I want that too. <laughs> I think I have some. I don't know if I have some or not. Oh, yeah. Dinosaur eggs in Quaker Instant Oatmeal. Just add hot water and watch them hatch. Quaker Dinosaur eggs. So good, they make every bowl extinct. Awesome. What would you say if there was a Monster Quest episode and it just said Street Sharks? That was the Oh, I would, I would be down for that. <laughs> it's like giant shark, shark people walking down like New York City or something like that. Scientists say that many different sea creatures used to walk on land before evolving into being super aquatic. What if there were some that were still left halfway in between? Are the stories of street sharks real? Do they fight crime? Find out on Monster Quest. They, you know what they would do? They would bring up that stupid statistic about 99% of the ocean being unexplored or something oh, like that. They, they would do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should like make our own Monster Quest episode, like a parody. When we run out of them, or maybe for April's Fool's Day or Halloween or something. It'll be like, we'll call it like, um, what, would, what would the name of it be? It'd be? We'd have to like make it like synonyms. So we, we'd, maybe I could get one of the artists I work with on my comics to do some art for us. And we can get a couple <laughs> people to play the parts and be the uh, different scientists and stuff. They go out on like a boat in the middle of a lake. I think what will happen is if this podcast is successful and like we set up our own Patreon or something, we'll be a Patreon goal and then we'll make our own Monster Quest episode. <laughs> That's amazing. For Street Sharks. <laughs> for, oh, for Street Sharks. That'd be great. We get like the original voice actors. <laughs> we, uh, it, it could be called uh, Urban Sharks Revealed. <laughs> urban shark attack yeah urban shark attacks the mystery revealed (laughs) yeah it just it just incoherent it's just a whole bunch of like words and adjectives and stuff god i love monster quest so much i love your monster quest we make we remake (laughs) the intro (laughs) oh god we're stupid (laughs) that's like our that's like our home alone bigfoot uh the crossover that we yeah it might be better this might be our new best idea we're just the hits keep coming and they don't stop coming to quote a famous <laughs> poem oh shoot they talk about like the the rods and in, in this season oh god i hate rods oh the rods are the best well what's funny is rods and ufos are the same phenomenon right they're just little buggies flying it's, around it's basically oh Cameras don't one-to-one capture reality because they're a technology that captures reflecting light. And sometimes that light reflects in weird ways. That's <laughs> basically all it is. There are, there are, I'm looking at it right there. There are like three separate Bigfoot episodes this season. Yeah. Of, well, he gets around six, that guy. Out of 14. Well, see, I live in Seattle, man. There, oh, like shit. the place I get coffee is called Sasquatch Coffee. And there's a, there's a Bigfoot gym down the road for me. Like, there's just Bigfoot stuff all over. This is my life. That's so dumb. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. 
they're Bigfoot themed like drinks and stuff. Oh, just all over. I like, guess it's just constant. Foot. It's like so like things are named Seattle X or Rainier X because there's Mount Rainier, right? Mm-hmm. Some things would be named after the Puget Sound or body of water. But like the third thing things are named or fourth thing things are named after, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I wonder, guy. like, I wonder, I, I think uh, that's kind of funny because I think um, that happened in like ancient times too. Like Crete would really hype up the fact that like the Minotaur was supposedly on there. They would put it all over their coins and stuff. Be like, well, check they, this out. The they might have, they probably fought bulls and stuff. Yeah. The, the Minotaur is interesting where it seems like it might be like a, like a warped sort of twisted recollection of Minoan um, bull fighting or bull jumping. Yeah, it's um, not totally untrue. Yeah, there's like a little, it's kind of cool when there's a little glimmer of truth in something rather than being just complete nonsense. Yeah, um, I love that because like on the podcast was on the other day, they're like, oh, you just like debunking stuff and saying it's not real. I'm like, man, I love all that stuff. Yeah. I want it to be real so damn bad. Yeah. <laughs> like if I, I'm I, grumpy at all, it's just like my disappointment. like i like the i like the idea that like king arthur was like an actual historical person just not like how the story recounts like he was like a roman general or something so that's something i've been researching heavily for the last two years for my new comic series which is called do dog-headed men have souls (laughs) um and yeah it's king arthur being real is like a big kind of like there's like a 20 percent chance yeah, it's well. I I had no. I, I looked at. I only found out recently that King Arthur was like the story is set post Roman Empire, which is like bizarre to me. I always kind of pictured it like in this sort of primordial prehistoric, like like Bronze Age setting, like before that sort of civilization started. I think we forget how old Rome is too. Yeah, that's the thing. I I forget that there's like a big chunk in between. Yeah. Well, so like like. The first mentions of Arthur are, are Welsh. So he's like a Welsh legend. And then the he gets popular when the French start telling his story about him being a British legend. Um, and, and the stories that get real popular are the ones basically of him being a defender of the islands from the Saxon invasion, right? Right. So, but he's probably a Welsh figure. It's just mm-hmm. that the early people of those islands, you know, the, the Celtic people and all the different groups that became the, the Welsh or whatever else that was there. There's other groups. I forget all their names, but, um, the, the picks and the, the picks. Yeah. Everyone forgets the picks. They're like, <laughs> they're left out of history. They're cool. Um, they get painted up in blue and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So like they, they didn't write things down sadly. Right. So we don't know. Much it's of sort history. of the, it's sort of the, um, North American Native American sort of problem. Where like there, a lot of it's oral traditions and it can get really warped and stuff. I think that's there's a little bit of like um, uh, European centric kind of like racism or superiority where we're like, oh, these other cultures didn't write things down. I'm like, bro, we didn't write things down either. <laughs> well, the the Bible like wasn't written down for centuries, if not like thousands of years. I guess I'm and, a German, so I would I would have been a Saxon as my ancestors. But at some time ago, they didn't write things down either. You know, like. Like not everybody developed writing at the same time, you know. It'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. Is like, um, like it would be really, really cool, if, like if we had a lot of the Native American religious beliefs and historical figures written down, because it would, it would be, because it's, it's, it sort of resulted in this um, confirm, like this preservation bias, where people assume that there was nothing here because there is nothing written down. Um, 
They say things was, like they didn't build cities and structures and stuff. Right. Yeah. There's the the whole is ridiculous myth. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, <laughs> there are Plains Indians that had massive giant meat vessels that they could follow around and easy fresh water. So that's what they did. Mm. So they didn't build big stuff. But there's tons of other groups, you know, especially in South America that built giant stuff. I mean, um, I always pronounce it wrong, but the um, one city floats on a lake. And they have like floating agriculture. Oh, Tenochtitlan. Yeah, yeah, the best say city in the in the whole history of the world. It's like probably like the the coolest whatever. Like better they than had a floating own. zoo. <laughs> you know how can you diss these people? This is the this is the coolest stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's too bad that that history is played out this way. That we talk about, you know, it's it's just sad that we talk about these people like different groups. Like it's not all part of like the human history, you know, it's right. like, like, Oh, the Europeans did this. And did the native Americans do this? Or did the uh, people in Northern Asia do this? I'm like, this is all, we're all in this together, man. Right. It's just different groups of people that were just separated. Not really that long ago. It mm. seems like long in our years, but like in our species years, isn't really not that long. Like most of like recorded human history that we know about is what, like 25,000 years old at the most. Yeah. There, there's a really cool, um, I think Carl Sagan brings it up in his, like, uh, he talks about the Library of Alexandria. Of that legendary library, all that survives is this dank and forgotten cellar. It's in the library annex, the Serapeum, which was once a temple, but was later reconsecrated to knowledge. These few moldering shelves probably once in a basement storage room are its only physical remains but this place was once the brain and glory of the greatest city on the planet earth if i could travel back into time this is the place I would visit. The Library of Alexandria at its height 2,000 years ago. Here, in an important sense, began the intellectual adventure which has led us into space. Yeah. Um, where he mentions, like, there's this Babylonian historian named Barossus mm-hmm. who wrote, like, a history of humanity up until that time. And it was, and it reportedly had like half a million years of history or something like that, like 500,000 years of history. Um, odds are it would have been like kind of weird and not accurate to archaeology, but it would have been really, really fascinating to see like what names there were, what people existed at that time. Yeah. Cause um, like, like when we know, think about Gilgamesh, like the kings before him, like they would all have longer and longer reigns. You know, then they would get shorter and shorter the closer you got to like when the story was written. Yeah. Same thing kind of with the Bible where like the sons of Adam have longer lives. So I think like the mythical characters kind of have these longer, you know, lifespans and kind of stories. But some of them are probably real in some way, or at least they tell us something about the past. So like it would still be fascinating to have the names, even if someone said they lived for 100,000 years or something. Right, like, right. Yeah. I, I've heard explanations for that where some people say maybe it's like an error where the name they're not actual individual people's names but like the names of like dynasties ruling for hundreds of years um, it, it definitely could be i also kind of think like people really romanticize the past right like you think of kennedy 
being president, you know, we, in America, we call it Camelot and everything, but like if all history was lost, you, you could kind of imagine people saying like, Oh, like there's this time period in America, the Kennedy time period. And it lasted a long time. And it was really successful. And like, you know, and how long was it? like, Oh, it was like a hundred years. Cause a hundred <laughs> years seems like a long time to us. But like, if you picture between 400 BC and 300 BC, can you even really tell me exactly the difference between those dates? No. Yeah, it's hard, right? Yeah. Even even you and I are like enthusiasts, but you know we're not like experts, but we know a lot about random stuff. Like it's even hard for us to do that. So like when you're trying to remember something that happened 300 years ago in Mesopotamia, you know, and you don't have a lot of writing, it it can be difficult. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's been the podcast. We talked about a lot of stuff. Talked about birds and UFOs. And dinosaurs and weird wooden boats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talked about a bunch of things, but yeah. Up in the air. Yeah. Up in the air. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of the Plastic Pleasers for Podcast. I got a new mic this episode. Uh, thanks to my buddy Steve for that mic. He set me up. Thanks, He's a Steve. really... Yeah. Steve's a good guy. Um, and uh, we used to play the Final Fantasy card game together. He's really smart. He's bad at shooting games, but I really like him otherwise. Um, so I hope the, hope the mic sounded good. Um, you can follow me at Gold Rush Comic, and you can follow Trey at... Trey, uh, at uh, Trey underscore explainer, or Trey explainer on YouTube. Yeah, make sure to subscribe to him on YouTube and to buy my book yeah, at GoldRush.space. And if uh, you guys want to email us and say you like the show, you can uh, do that after Warshot Space as well or tweet at us. Let us know what you want to do for Monster Quest next time. And now I am going to go make a stir fry that I bought for $9 that's in my freezer. <laughs> I'm going to make some dinosaur oatmeal. All right, everybody. Enjoy your dinosaurs. Enjoy your stir fries. Be careful out there. See ya. Bottoms up in this time. Won't you rescue me? Thought it up at this time. It's all I can see. Should have been here last night and heard what the big dipper said.